Our first Bible reading can be found on page 181 and is Joshua 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who, come to, who came to you and enter your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was on part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your own. Go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you, have, which you let us down, and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into the house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible." As for those who are in, in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if, you tell, but if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out out of the hills. 
forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The second reading is Joshua chapter 6, verses 15 to 25, on page 184. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house, house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the man gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her, in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Well, uh, let me wish you a happy new year, and uh, I bet when you came to church today, you weren't expecting we'd begin the year with a prostitute, but that's where we are, in Joshua chapter 2. You might be thinking, why pick this passage? Why pick this one to kick off 2019? Uh, Here at church, uh, at St. Augustine's, we're calling this the year of courageous faith. We want to be bold take a risk when it comes to our, our prayer life, our evangelism, our, our generosity. And uh, on Sunday the 3rd of Feb, uh, we're going to launch it. Uh, but in the lead up to that, we're going to look at three, uh, sorry, four people in the Bible who had courageous faith. Last week we looked at Abraham. This week we look at someone who's quite unlikely, Rahab. And what we're simply going to do is walk through that chapter, highlighting a couple of things along the way. Let me pray. Gracious Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You never change. Though our years change or the things in our world change, you remain the same. And your word is eternal. And we thank you for that truth. Amen.
I don't know if someone in your household has been watching a TV series and you come in halfway mid-season. And you think, what the heck is going on here? And you're sort of scratching your head. You had that feeling? You just love those recap moments before an episode, previously on Suits, previously on The Crown, right? You get up to speed. That's what it can be like when you come to Joshua 2. Come almost mid-season and think, what's happening here? So let me give you a bit of a recap before we dive on in, right? So God's people, the Israelites, have just been released from the oppression of Pharaoh and his rule. They've been slaves and now free. They go through the Red Sea and they're they're not the people they should be. They're not the redeemed people they should be. They're, They're ungrateful, they're unfaithful, they complain. And so they're delayed from entering into the promised land, the rest that God promised Abraham all those years ago. For 40 years they're wandering the desert and at the end of that 40 years they come to the cusp of the land. But there's a problem. The Canaanites are there. So we come to Joshua chapter 2. Open your Bibles if you close them. Turn to Joshua chapter 2, page 181. Verse 1 says this. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Apparently it's a better place than it sounds. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Now, these guys had a mission. Their job was to suss out the land. Key word, secretly. Now, if you thought you were bad at your job, have a look at these two guys, right? Because it's not long before verse 2 comes along, where it says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. Now, these guys were told to secretly suss out the place. And it's not long before the king himself knows. You can just imagine they're going into Jericho singing the Mission Impossible theme song. You know, dun, 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 dun. Someone asks, what are you doing? We're spies. Shh, don't tell anyone. We're going to take over this place, right? They're just incompetent. And to cap it off, verse 1 says, So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, you could be naive for a moment and think maybe it's an accident they ended up in a brothel. So like, how did we get here of all places? But it's very direct, isn't it? Joshua says go, and where did they go? Very dodgy place. When you're detached from your faith community, when you're anonymous, unknown, you do things that you would not necessarily do at home. The prodigal son, where did he squander his wealth? In a distant land where no one knew him. Beware the dangers of travelling by yourself. Let's get back to the story. Now these two men, right, these two spies, are representative of God's people, whether they like it or not. And Rahab is watching them. As a Christian, you are a representative of Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not. And people are watching you. So Rahab, as these two guys enter her house, has a choice, doesn't she? Now, she knows, as we'll see, that God is amazing, but these two guys are far from it. So the choice is, does she say, well, hang on, don't you worship the God of the Bible? And you're here? Oh, you're a hypocrite. I'm not worshipping that God and walk out. She doesn't do that, does she? She looks beyond these two guys 
and grounds of faith in God, not these two. Now, I don't know about you, but about, oh, I'd say every month or so on Facebook or the news, there's an article or a, a video which tagline is this, this will renew your faith in people. You seen those? We're always having to renew our faith in people because people let us down and Christians will let us down. But Rahab here, right, she knows something about God, but the only two people who worship that God is these two guys, and they're in a very dodgy place. See, if your objection to becoming a Christian is, I can't follow God because of Christians, right? Then have a look at Rahab, because she knew no decent example of a follower of God. Not one. She had these two guys, and they were a bad example. And yet she still trusted. What's your excuse? See, now, I'm not saying for a moment that it doesn't matter how you live. That who cares about hypocrisy or inconsistency when it comes to Christians? No, no, no. Christians, we should live differently. Christian leaders will be held to higher account for the way they've lived their life. But as we see with Rahab, even when believers behave badly, it is not ultimately an excuse for disbelief. So the soldiers come knocking on her door. They want to see where these two spies are. This is what she says, verse 4. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof, hid them under the stalks of flax she'd laid out on the roof. Now, my temptation, right, is to camp out here in this moment. I love ethical dilemmas, right? I love thinking, is it okay for a pregnant woman to drive in a T2 lane? And just, and just thinking about that for a moment, right? I, I love ethical moments. And, and so my question is, like, was it right for Rahab to lie to the soldiers to protect the spies? But I don't want to focus on here because I don't think the narrator focuses on this moment, right? It's like when Christmas time, when my, my wife decorated the Christmas table for my family. And uh, I, I came in to see it. And imagine if I said, I, I think there's a little bit of dust there on that chair. I kind of missed the whole point, right? And if we focus on this moment, the narrator is not focusing. He wants us to focus on something more beautiful. Verse 8, this moment is where the spotlight is on. Rahab says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Oh, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Rahab has a faith, and it's grounded in God. Now notice a couple of things what she says there. Firstly, when she talks about God, it's not in abstract or generalities. Like God is he, he's merciful or mighty. No, no, no. She specifically highlights things that he's done. That God has power over nature, mentions the Red Sea. Uh, God has power over authorities and kings, mentions Sihon and Og. 
What she's doing here is demonstrating the normal way of coming to faith. Where you gain knowledge, data, evidence, and you trust. I remember talking to my uncle a couple of years ago, and he was saying, James, I just can't believe what you believe. I just don't have enough faith. And he was getting at this, this faith almost as this thing you just well up inside, this sort of feeling that takes over and, oh, yeah, faith. But the Bible, when it talks about faith, is simply this. You know something about God and you believe. You know what he's done and you trust him. Uh, not last week, not too far from here, I was in a cafe and there was this young teenage couple Clearly in love, right? Sort of looking at each other. And like it was just going on, right? Now, I know and you know if that couple is going to survive more than a week, they're going to have to talk. They're going to have to communicate. They're going to have to find out what they like and dislike. Their character. Because romance is based on knowledge. And faith, all the more, is based on knowledge. And if your faith is going to grow, then you're actually going to have to know more and more about God and what he's done. See, Rahab knows something about God. And it gives her this light bulb moment, this this realization, this awakening, as it were. Verse 11, she says, The Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. What she's saying there is this, that the God of the Bible isn't just for the Jews, for a particular people, particular place. That the God of the Bible is the God of all the earth, all the heavens, which means she can't shelve him. She can't say, well, that's good for you. I'll do something else. She can't put him to side. No, no, no. God impacts her world. See, she understands who God is. It gives her perspective and then gives birth to an emotion. It's not the kind of emotion we expect. But she says this. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed. Her courage failed. In what, you might ask? In herself. In her people. In her city. In her idols. When she thought about the things that brought her security, safety, comfort, and compared them to the God of the Bible, they were just facades, almost figments of her imagination. See, if you're going to have faith in God, your courage needs to fail in yourself, in your city, in your people, in your idols, the things you hold on to dearly. See, what is it? What do you think is the thing that will always be there in your life? Your job, your health, your spouse, your kids, your parents? your lifestyle, your memories, it will all go. It will all go. But who will always be there? God. 
See, what Rahab's doing is really living out what it says in Proverbs, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. This time last year, my uncles were down off uh, Kayama and uh, on a sailing boat, 14 foot high, and just having a fun time. When all of a sudden this freak storm came out of nowhere and hit them for six. Mast broke, capsized multiple times, rudder detached, floated away. The emergency services came to them, right? Now, can you imagine my uncle, as the emergency services came to them, said, you know what? I think we're right. I think we've got this covered. We're okay. He would be an idiot, right? You know what he did when they came? He launched himself onto them. Because he knew he had nowhere else to go. And that's what Rahab's doing. She has nowhere else to go. She has nothing for security or safety. And she launches herself onto the God who is merciful. She says, verse 12, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Here's the thing. When God says he'll do something, or when God says something, we should trust him in an instant. He is perfect. He never lies, never breaks a promise. When he says something, we should trust him in an instant. But the problem is, right, when it comes to our experience, when we say we'll do something, we don't trust each other, do we? When someone says they'll do something, the skepticism rises up and we think, nah, they won't. It starts when you're young. You know, when you're almost three, four, and you know, a kid says, if you jump off that bench, I'll give you a lolly. And then the kid says, pinky promise that you'll give me a lolly, right? Pinky, this is unbreakable to a four-year-old, like pinky promise. But these pinky promises don't just stop there. They grow up and become detailed contracts as adults. Why? Because we don't trust each other. We want signs, signs that you'll keep your word. And this exchange in the rest of chapter 2 between Rahab and the spies highlights this, right? Rahab says, give me a sure sign that you'll spare me from death. The spies say, well, we will live if you live, but if we die, you die. Rahab says, go to the hill country, hide yourself for three days. The spies say, well, if you put a red rope out, you'll be saved. If you report, you die. This anxiety back and forth of distrust. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? Will you do this? I've got to do this. You do that. And here's the thing. As Rahab lets those spies down the wall, she has no idea where they'll keep their word. And as the spies climb down that wall, they have no idea whether Rahab will keep her word. But God doesn't want us to have the same uneasy tension when it comes to trusting him. See, when we say what Rahab says to God, give me a sure sign, God, that you'll save me from death. Jesus, unlike the spies who say, if we die, you die, we live, you live. Jesus says, here's the deal. I'll die so you can live. Even though you've betrayed me, I'll die so you can live. Unlike Rahab, who says, I've shown you kindness, now you show me kindness, tit for tat. Jesus says, even though you've not shown me kindness in the slightest, I will be abundantly kindness, kind to you. Unlike the little red rope dangling off the wall as a sign that Rahab and her family will be saved, Jesus gives us much 
firmer, grounded side. The empty tomb. That he's no longer dead, but he's alive. And that side, if you've trusted him, guarantees that when the walls of your life come crashing down in death, you will live. You will be saved. Jesus Christ is God's sign to you that you can trust God. But here's the thing. Even in this little chapter, Joshua 2, there's a little sign. The sign of Rahab. What two words, generally speaking, accompany Rahab? The prostitute. A woman who's made bad choices. And yet, by chapter 6 it says, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. Highlighting one thing. God is abundantly merciful. Because she committed herself to God, she's not only saved, but part of his family. And so much so that Rahab will one day become the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ himself. Rahab may be a sign to you today, saying no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, you are not outside God's scope of grace. You are not too far gone for him to welcome you in. If he can include someone like a Rahab, then he can include someone like you. If only you'll come to him. As Ephesians says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Rahab has a faith because she knows God. She only knows a little about him, to be honest. We know much more. She only knows a little. She's surrounded by believers behaving badly, and yet she commits herself to God. Now, there's a danger in this moment. Just like there's a danger of talking about faith as this mysterious kind of thing, there's a danger in making faith mechanical. Because we know the story, we've just read it, It can seem like, well, she trusted in God, she was saved, she lives, boom, done. That's not too hard. One plus one equals two. But for Rahab to do what she did took guts, took courage, didn't it? She is the only one in her whole people group who's a follower of Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Do you not think she's thinking... What if I'm wrong? What if I made a mistake? What if it's a whole waste of time? What if I lose everything? Now, if you're a Christian, those questions are very familiar to you, aren't you? We ask them. What if I'm wrong? What if I made a mistake? What if it's a waste of time? What if I lose everything? See, faith, it's scary. It's quite daunting. It's true when you first become a Christian, right? Saying, God, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I turn from my sin and trust in you. That is a daunting thing. But that's not just a one-hit wonder, right? That happens again and again. Let's say when it comes to money. You say, I could keep this money for myself, or I could give some of it away. (gasps) Makes the heart start to pump a bit faster, doesn't it? 
When it comes to evangelism, you, you could keep Jesus hidden. Or you could speak about him to people who don't know. That is very daunting. When it comes to the fact you've hurt someone, you could remain silent, play the victim, or you could say, I'm sorry, with no strings attached, no excuses. That takes guts. The danger in all this, friends, is this. When it comes to courageous faith, that we think, it's not for me. That's someone who's more of a type A personality. ESTJ on the Myers-Briggs, alpha male. But here's Rahab, a nobody, made some bad choices. And yet, she trusts in God. Not just has a courageous trust in God. And God uses her mightily. A couple of, last month, my family and I were at South of Shocks. And uh, there, on the mid-north coast, is this river that takes you to the, uh, takes out, goes out to the ocean. And over it, there's this big bridge uh, so that boats can go through. It's about up to there, up to the roof. My wife and I were there, and a number of teenagers were jumping into the water. It's quite deep, and we noticed they were doing it again and again, so we thought we'd give it a go. So, on the screen is my wife jumping. All right, we're recording, we're recording. That was the second time she did it. The first time I forgot to hit record. She just saw it, jumped in straight away. Then there's me. Just got to do it. Go! I'm in the black with the blue shorts. Go! Go, Daddy, go! Yep. One, two, three, go! Come on, Dad! It's been edited. And here's a guy who's just going to rub it in. When it comes to having faith, some of you are like my wife and some of you are like me. Some of you have known God for a while, you know he's trustworthy and you jump straight on in. Others, it takes a while. Hesitation. People need to encourage you. And even when you do jump, it's clumsy. It's not how you jump, but that you do. In 2019, I don't know what's ahead of you. God does. You probably have an inkling. But there's going to be moments where it takes courageous faith. It takes a gutsy trust in God to jump. And the question is, will you have courageous faith? Do you know God? Do you know what he's done? That you can trust him? And take a leaf out of Rahab's book. Saying, who knew God? And she trusted him and was daring. Brothers and sisters, 2019 will be filled of moments again and again where you'll have the choice. Do I trust God? Do I take a risk for his glory and my benefit?
Let's pray.